BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, folks? Welcome to Revisited, a Patreon-exclusive segment where I, Alvin Williams, dive back into cases previously covered on episodes of Affirmative Murder with fresh eyes, new takes, and a lot of cringe at how far we've come. On the very first episode of Revisited, it felt only fitting to revisit our very first episode of Affirmative Murder and possibly our most controversial case that we've covered. That, of course, is the case of Michelle Blair. So in 2012, Michelle Blair mother of four children, living in absolute squalor, um, did not have a job, saw her youngest child playing with two action figures in a suggestive manner that made her think that he had possibly been exposed to some sexual content. Just for a little bit of backstory, Michelle Blair grew up, um, according to her, uh, she was molested by a family friend. Her mother knew about it, didn't do anything about it. And so she always carried this real anger and fire towards people who hurt children. So when she sees her youngest son playing with the toys, she confronts him and asks him if one of the children, specifically Stephen, the second youngest child, if he had done that to him. After pressing the child and asking him over and over again, the boy, out of what her oldest child, Gabby Blair, believes, was fear of being hit, responded yes. In response to this revelation, Michelle Blair took an extension cord, wrapped it around Stephen Blair's neck, threw the extra cord over her shoulder, and dragged him upstairs to her bedroom and closed the door. She then proceeded to torture this boy for the better part of a week or two until he eventually succumbed to his injuries. Gabby Blair was in the room with Michelle Blair as Stephen Blair took his last breath. Uh, They hugged him and kissed him. Michelle Blair wrapped him in a blanket, and then she ordered Gabby Blair, the oldest daughter, to help her take Stephen Blair to a deep freezer and put him in it. They then proceeded to live life like nothing had happened. She would tell her children to rehearse the lies to tell when they go out in public about where Stephen Blair is. She told them to tell them that Stephen Blair is at his grandmother's house or at his father's house. And they better say it like it's coming out of their mouth and it's fresh and there better not be a hint of deception when they say it. And they practiced it and if they got it wrong, she would beat them. And then she would send them out into the world. And they lived like this for years, walking past the deep freezer with their little brother in it, with their son in it. And then in 2015, after some new inkling that maybe she was wrong, maybe Stephen Blair wasn't the culprit, 
Maybe it was Stoney Blair, her second oldest daughter, who was molesting her youngest son. She confronts the young boy again. And using the same tactic, demanded over and over again in front of her children for this young man, young boy, to not tell her if Stoney was molesting her. Tell me what I want you to say. So again, according to Gabby Blair, the oldest daughter, the youngest son initially said no. Then out of threat of actual physical violence, if he was lying, he changed his answer to yes. That Stoney Blair was also, or actually, who knows, molesting him. He doesn't even know because he was a child and was being coerced into answering questions that he didn't know what he was talking about. Michelle Blair proceeded to beat Stoney Blair in front of the two children, the two other children, violently. Um, she then proceeded to starve this young girl. Um, with one of her children being missing from the house, she received several CPS visits where she would make Stoney Blair hide under the bed and be quiet out of threat of violence. She did a lot of the same things that she did to Stephen Blair, to Stoney Blair, as far as torture is concerned. And then one day after an extreme level of beating, she took Stoney Blair, wrapped her in a blanket, and put her in a deep freezer. Now, according to Gabby Blair, who was again called upon to assist in this, Stoney Blair was still alive when she was being placed into the freezer. So Michelle Blair took a plastic bag, put it over her head, and pinched her nose for several seconds until she then said, fuck it, this bitch is as good as dead anyway. And then she closed the freezer door. And then they proceeded to live life again like that hadn't happened. One day they received an eviction notice and the entire lie falls apart. They're forced out of the house. People come in to do an inspection or whatever the case may be. They find two bodies in a freezer. Michelle Blair is arrested for the murder of her two children. Now on episode one, Popcorn and Killer Parents, available on Patreon, the way we covered that back in 2017 when we first started the first episode that we did, was from the perspective of Michelle Blair. Now, according to Michelle Blair, when her youngest son confessed these things, there was more emotion behind it. I didn't get it from a source other than Michelle Blair. Um, upon revisiting, I got the story from Gabby Blair, the oldest daughter who was there. And her perspective's a lot different and I didn't, we didn't have it in 2017. And I regret a lot of the things that we talked about because we covered it from the perspective of Michelle Blair, who her story was, my youngest son told me that he was being sexually assaulted by his older brother and doing all kind of horrible things. She had examples about semen and Windex drinking and bleach drinking and not being fed, them holding, them eating his food and a lot of other things. Upon revisiting and hearing the life of a Blair from Gabby Blair, it was in fact Michelle Blair who, as a neglectful mom, her children were always starving. There wasn't much food to go around, period. So this idea that when we first did the story that uh, there was food to be had and I had no questions about it that was being stolen by the other children out of punishment to keep it from the youngest child was misleading. But I acted upon good faith that what she did was horrible, but the words that are coming out of her mouth are so crazy that they must be true. No one would just make up these things that she's saying because 
we were new in this world and it was our first episode. So we had no track record of this. We made a lot of mistakes. The first time I told the story, I talked about how Michelle Blair said her children were demons and the torture was this form of getting revenge because nobody stood up for her when she was a child and she, pro- she promised herself that she would never let her children feel like she wasn't defending them. So she then in turn tortured and beat her own children and Stephen died accidentally. That was the thing she wanted to make clear, that she tortured him and she doesn't regret torturing him, but she went a little bit too far and he died. But Stoney Blair, she killed her on purpose. Because they all did the same thing, but there was just something different about how Stoney Blair did it or the things that she said that she did that I and Fran listened to and read and said, wow, I mean, obviously you don't do these things, but if this is what you think happened, how can I blame anybody for what they do to avenge something that was wrong that happened to their child, even if it was their own children? This is two young men who had never podcasted before, two young men who what I'll get into are victims of trauma, generational trauma, which I'll get into. And it, it's funny to re- revisit the story in the mind frame that I'm in now, because I really look back at those people as like, I don't know who they are. In a lot of ways, it wasn't that long ago, but in, in terms of how far we've come in podcasting and the conversations we've had, those people just don't exist anymore. But before I get into that, I want to get into the crux of a, a big mistake that was made in that first episode and how I understand it in hindsight. In preparation for doing this revisit into this episode and this case, I watched a show called Evil Lives Here. It's available on Hulu about Michelle Blair, told through the perspective of Gabby Blair. And in watching this episode, I was able to understand one of our biggest errors in analyzing Michelle Blair. And that was in believing her version of events, as I've previously stated. There's a story that Gabby tells in this episode of Evil Lives Here. She talks about when she was maybe 10 or so, And she and Michelle were in the bathroom and Michelle was fixing Gabby's hair. And Gabby wasn't sitting in the way that she wanted her to or was flinching or whatever the case may be. And she got so mad that she picked up a curling iron, a metal curling iron, and she busted Gabby in the mouth. And Gabby describes the feeling of food feeling like it was on her tongue, even though she hadn't eaten anything. And when she looked in the mirror, her mouth was full of blood and her tooth had been chipped and cracked. And she said in that moment, she saw Michelle Blair go from her mother, her mother, Michelle Blair, her mother, go from angry to concern. Because one thing about Michelle Blair, she was always concerned about not hitting them in places that showed the bruises, outward facing appearances. Even though they were starving and poor on the inside of that house, she was a outwardly helpful and nice person to the neighborhood. And she didn't want people to think that she beat her kids and she was terrified of the CPS. So when she saw that her daughter's tooth was now cracked, something that they cannot be hidden. She looked her dead in her face and she told her to tell people that her brother did that to her. And as she told her to do that, the doorbell rang, a family friend showed up, they both went downstairs and she forced her to practice that lie for the first time where she told this family friend who offered to take her to the dentist. No, she said she likes her tooth chipped that way. It makes her feel unique. She had to repeat that lie to that woman's face. And in that moment of hearing that story, I realized that in 2017, we were taking the word of an unreliable narrator. You see, in literature, an unreliable narrator can be defined as a narrator who misleads the reader, whether it's deliberate or unwittingly. Many are unreliable through circumstances, character flaws, or psychological impairments. In some cases, the narrator withholds key information from readers, or they may deliberately lie or misdirect. 
And that was Michelle Blair pleading her case in front of a jury and a judge. And then me reading that information and taking her at face value, believing that I could give her the benefit of the doubt that she committed a horrible crime, but her reason for doing so was the truth. And that was a mistake of which we made a lot of on that episode. Now, we're going to pull a pin out of that trauma word that I used earlier to refer to me and Fran. For those of you who remember and are familiar, you'll know that the Michelle Blair case has a lot of layers, horrible and horrific layers. I mean, being able to inflict that level of pain on a child, let alone your own child, is something I'll never be able to wrap my head around. But one thing that is incredibly common about the Michelle Blair story and what I believe is at the root of us covering this story so poorly when we initially started the podcast is how people who lack the capacity to be vulnerable should never have children. Couple that with a proficiency to inflict violence on children, and you have a recipe for extreme trauma. And trauma can be passed down and normalized over time. And this is where the trauma hit me and Fran. Neither I nor Fran are violent people. I've seen Fran parent his children. He is a very gentle, patient, and loving father. But when we read this story in 2017, we related to the idea of belts and yelling and push-ups and wall sits and things that, in our upbringing, felt normal. Corporal punishment was a normal thing. Whether or not we saw it a ton in our own lives, I didn't see a ton of it, but I saw some of it. I saw it in other people's lives, cousins and other family members. It was a normal thing, the idea of beating your children. So as two men in 2017 podcasting for the first time, we said things like, I get it, or you can't go that far, or things of that nature that made it come across that we were in solidarity with Michelle Blair, but she just kind of took it too far. And that couldn't be further from the case. We were two people who are the product of generational trauma and had some things to be unlearned. Whereas in 2017, I think if you ask Fran how he feels about beating his children, he might have said, I don't beat my children, but like, I, you know, what people do in their own households is their business. And I think if you asked him today, he would go, no, 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 you shouldn't, you shouldn't hit your children. Like you're not teaching them anything. It takes patience and understanding, and you want them to know what they did wrong, and beating them is not teaching them those, those lessons. So while those things don't sound terribly different, there's a nuance and a learning that has come since episode one, Popcorn and Killer Parents. But no matter how far we come, I always go back to the episode because there was so much miseducation within us that we put on display on microphones and then put out into the world, not even knowing how ignorant we sounded. That was the scariest part. And that was kind of the, the reflection that's come to me over the years that this is a real responsibility to turn these microphones on. And you could be saying something that you think is profound or you think is important or you think is helping a, a cause and you could actually be damaging and hurt and hurting that cause because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And episode one of this podcast is an example of that. We covered the Michelle Blair case terribly. We spoke about things in a really uneducated way, and it made us sound incredibly insensitive. And we also believed someone who murdered two children and took them at face value, which we now know, five years later, you just don't do. The burden is on you. If, you, if you're saying your children are demons and all these things, I tell you what, one, they learned it from you. 
which I think is another lesson that comes from like in true crime podcasting and podcasting in general comes from reading more and learning more and understanding psychology. And I think at that point we didn't get that part, that part we didn't understand. Like let's say Steven and Stoney Blair were abusing their youngest brother. They saw that abuse and torture in their everyday lives because Michelle Blair was an incredibly violent and abusive mother, irresponsible mother, neglectful mother. So they are not demons who just woke up one day and decided to be evil, which is how she painted it and which allowed us to ask the question of, is she wrong for not having any remorse? Which again, in hindsight, everything about the conversation was just wrong. And the answer to that is, of course she's wrong to not have any remorse. She's wrong in so many ways before she ever even hurts her children to the point that they died. She was wrong in the cold demeanor in which she handled her children. She was wrong in being abusive to her children. And she was wrong in taking out her trauma on people who just want her to love and protect them. That's the only thing children want you to do. So a big lesson I took away from revisiting this episode was, I think, still, Fran, myself, and a lot of black people from my generation and beyond, and maybe it's not just black people, but I can only speak from my perspective, right? But we have a lot of trauma to unlearn and unpack around corporal punishment, parenting styles, and what children owe their parents. Which, spoiler alert for that one, the answer is nothing. I think that's still hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. Michelle Blair being one of those people, I think she felt like because of things that happened in my life, you guys are my children and you will not disobey me, embarrass me, or disrespect the principles in which I live my fucked up life. Even though you have no idea what those things are. And if you do step out of line against the standard of which I'm holding you to that you are unaware of, I will beat you viciously. Michelle Blair was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of her two children, Stephen and Stoney Blair. Um, she's still serving out the rest of her natural life in prison. Her daughter, Gabby Blair, upon doing her own reflection, says that her perspective on her mother's sentence has changed over the years. She said that when she was first sentenced, she felt like death is what she wanted for her mother because she felt like she should die for the crimes that she committed and then taking her brother and sister away from her and forcing her to be an accomplice in it in a way. But she says today she now understands that living with what she's done and never being able to atone for it is what Michelle Blair truly deserves. So yeah, this was the first episode of Revisited. You can find the original story on episode one of Affirmative Murder, Popcorn and Killer Parents, if you want to go back and listen to that cringy mess of audio. But yeah, we came a long way since that episode. We still have a long way to go. Every week we have a new lesson to learn. Every week we mess up and try to be better than the last one. And that was many weeks ago. And so there were many lessons that came since then. And so as I said, looking back on that episode and listening to it in preparation for this, it was like listening to two people that I didn't know. But without that very first episode, we wouldn't be where we are now. Um, one of the greatest joys in my life has been expressing my creativity with my best friend on this podcast. And that first episode is like a little token or memory of one of the best ideas me and my best friend ever had. So that's cool. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. 
I guess I'll wait for the feedback, but um, I hope to do more of these. I'm sure there's plenty of stories that I would love to revisit and clarify some things, but listening, I will again um, admit, listening to my own self-talk makes my stomach hurt. But for you guys, I'll take the pain. Anyway, folks, you be safe. Thank you for listening. See you guys next time.